0: Hey all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Um, hello and welcome back you're gonna die out there podcast i'm jen sitting across from my co-host megan hello we're back for another round of cool stories and some sciencey things and naturey things that you all love um hopefully you'll learn something new yeah absolutely oh one thing i did want to talk about yes let's hear which it. i thought was just like this amazing idea and i brought it up to megan because we always have these cool words that we learn from our stories Yes. Or from our species. And I thought it'd be fun. Maybe towards the end of the episode, we could see what our favorite word is. And Mm -hmm. that can be because, you know, we're trying to help you guys sound smarter. Agreed. Or, uh, you know, possibly win a game show. Jeopardy? What? Who wants to be a millionaire? Is that still on? Uh, Is it? I don't even know. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, I'm just saying, sound smarter with your friends and family by just throwing out some of these big words. Yeah. So we've already given you a bunch but now we'll just start pointing them out. Just a little Nature Nerd vocab. It's going to be great. So we brought up last week... Um, a new term, brachiation, mm-hmm. for orangutans because it's for arm swinging or it's a form of arboreal locomotion. Um, orangutans are the only ones of the great apes that, that, do that. Have, that do that. So there you go. That's the one for last week. So I have some science news. I'm ready for your science news. Um, I was thinking also from last week's episode, I thought it was a little bit of a downer that I was talking about all these critically endangered species that are like... Your top 10 list on the brink yeah yeah you made people cry jen i just that's that's, uh, that's what again. i'm going for <laughs> i really think it's important that we talk about those things yeah. and that people know and people know about palm oil agreed but i thought this week let's you know let's take it the other direction um, so I went to our favorite WWF Panda. Panda Watch. <laughs> and they have an article, which is very recent. It's from March 3rd. And it is eight species making a comeback. Yeah, that's Let's nice. look at some comeback kids right here. Comeback kids. I love it. So... We have eight. I mean, it's not a top 10. It's close enough, though. Well, it's a science news, so I figured eight is good. Yeah. Eight, okay. Yeah. So we have the black-footed ferret. I think oh. a lot of you know about that. Um, in the Northern Great Plains, 30 years of all this kind of effort has gone in. Lots of organizations, federal and state. For those who don't know, black-footed ferrets are one of North America's most endangered mammals. Mm-hmm. are have been. And that's because of declines in the hab- habitat of prairie dogs, which is their main prey. And non native diseases led to this great decline in their population. So they have put forth some recovery efforts and it's helped restore black-footed ferrets to around 300 animals across North America. The goal is to reach 3,000. Their recovery in the wild signifies the health of the grassland ecosystem, which Mm -hmm. they depend on to survive. So it's about creating habitat. It doesn't seem like a lot, 300, but they were on the brink. They were on the brink, yeah. yeah. So next on the list is the black rhinos in Namibia. So in March of 2020, the southwestern black rhino, one of the three black rhino subspecies, was reclassified from vulnerable to near threatened by the IUCN um, after the population increased more than 11%. Wow. The status change parallels a hopeful trend for all Africa's black rhinos, although the species overall faces persistent threats from poaching and is still classified as critically endangered as population has Climbed steadily since 2012.
1: Congratulations.
0: And you know, we need to be happy for these little wins here yeah, and there, yeah. right? This is from people just like we were talking about that they just stand their ground. People buy land, like Leo DiCaprio. Oh, And some yeah. of these other rich uh, people with yeah. a lot of money, they buy land and then they have people go and protect it. Okay, we also have another rhino, the greater one horned rhino in oh. India at the Manas National Park which is located in northeastern India, state of Assam, like the T. Like the T. It's very it. popular here. Um, they saw significant growth in its greater horn rhino population, and that's thanks to a bunch of conservation efforts, such as translocations of rhinos, like moving them to safer pastures. And Manas is now home to 47 greater one horned rhinos. And That's I don't great. know what the stuff, uh, what they started at, but mm-hmm. obviously these are better than what they were declining. At. It's heartening. Yes. <laughs> making
1: me happy that
0: there are larger
1: animals on this list. Like when you started out with the black footed ferret, I was like, oh, probably this is going to be really small, like insects or no, something. No, there's
0: a bunch of big but ones. But it's like big. Mammals, that's cool. And here's a super big one. Let's hear it. The humpback whale. Oh, wow. This is after significant efforts to reduce present-day threats of fisheries by catch, Um, And ship collisions, which we just talked about Uh, in the the, Patreon episode. Check it out. Um, Humpback whales have been on a steady road to recovery in several of the world's oceans. In Australia alone, data shows that both East and West Coast populations have been rapidly recovering and are now 50%, 50% larger than their pre-whaling numbers. Yeah, whaling. Come on, guys. Okay, and here's one that's very near and dear. Mountain gorillas. Oh. We we already talked about this. I won't go into it too much, but they're on the Di- up and up. Doctor Fossey, yeah, did the damn thing, and people kept it up, and now they're on their way up. Then we have the snow leopards in Mongolia. Oh, I know. I didn't expect to see that one, but yeah. I know there's been a lot of effort to try and study, and because they're pretty hard, I think, to locate and right. follow, because right. they're super stealthy. Like, yes. The said, Mongolia's first ever national snow leopard survey in 2021, oh. first ever, Show that the country's snow leopard population is stable with approximately 953 individuals, which is an exciting discovery that indicates current conservation efforts are working to protect this elusive big cat. That's very cool. That is really cool. Score one for the cats. That's right. Um, Let's talk about some swift foxes in Montana. In 2020, after a 51-year absence, swift foxes returned to the grasslands of Fort Belknap Indian Reservation in Montana, joining other prairie wildlife found within these native nation-owned lands. 27 swift foxes were brought to the area from Wyoming in September, marking the beginning of a five-year reintroduction program, and that was led by the nakoda and uh N i'm not sure if i'm saying that right nations uh one litter of kits was documented additional 48 swift foxes were released in 2021 both of which are helping establish a sustainable population on the reservation very cool also every time i see 2020 mm-hmm. and things coming back i'm like well because everybody was home the, yeah watching netflix and this is number eight or number one i don't know they didn't have like an order oh okay, okay. it's just Just a list. It's just a list. In general. We'll just say number eight. Tigers in Nepal. Another big cat. Another big cat. In 2018, Nepal announced that the country's tiger population estimate had increased... To 235, which was nearly doubling the 2009 baseline of just 121 individual tigers. Wow. So it's on the track to become one of the first countries to double its country's wild tiger numbers since the ambitious TX2, I'm not sure what that is, goal to double the world tiger population. It kind of makes me think of a Micronesia challenge. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. To uh, protect conserve you know, conserve yeah. like terrestrial and marine areas mm-hmm. tx2 must be some goal right like, like kind of a said, regional deal yeah for the world's wild target tiger populations that's cool good job that's it i wanted to bring some a little bit of good news today yeah i'm happy that you shared some good news
1: with us mm-hmm. those last couple episodes were a little bit sad
0: big downers but I guess at the same time we were talking about these amazing biologists, conservationists, thanks to all the efforts of all the people out there. All right, Jen, are you ready for a story for today? I'm so excited. I cannot wait because I don't know what you're talking about. Let me just say that this is
1: not so much a story as it is something that people really wanted us to talk about. Uh, we've huh. gotten a couple ep- we've gotten a couple messages where people have said to us like, "Could you do an episode on horses?" And I was like, "Okay." And you were like, "Yes." also i don't know a lot about horses and i feel like a lot of you know a lot about horses and oh a lot no it's it's intimidating it is intimidating i am super nervous about this episode because up front not an equestrian not knowledgeable nor am i so i I really love horses yeah
0: but i just never grew up around around them. them yeah yeah so hopefully i do
1: some justice and if you want to hear more about, if you want a specific topic or something, we can always talk about this. Don't things. worry, because
0: I think there's a lot of people that listen that also don't know anything about horses. Yeah, fingers so crossed. So it'll be new for them, and it'll be like, <laughs> all you people out there that know a lot about horses will be like, wrong, it's this. Right? And it's fine. Yeah. But we'll take that. You just write us and tell us. Yeah, we're us. okay with it.
1: <laughs> so we're going to start out with a little background biology, because that's what you need. In this yes, situation, we totally do. So, the common name for horses is horse.
0: <laughs> I wow. just like to. I we're just like just, to. See, we're starting
1: from the ground level. <laughs> ground level. I like to see Jen's face when I say stuff like that. <laughs> um, all right. So, scientific name for the domesticated horse is Equus ferris caballus. They are mammals. You know, they have fur, milk, all that stuff. They can be thirty to sixty-nine inches tall at the shoulders. So hooves to shoulders.
0: Wait, Megan, how many hands is that?
1: Uh, you know, how do you know about that? Oh my God. Okay, so the height of horses, you are correct, Jen, is often measured in units of hands and inches.
0: Well, I mean, I did I, grow up in Oklahoma. I so didn't know that.
1: It's like, I don't know, but I know. Right? Stuff. Yeah. So one hand is equal to four inches mm-hmm. or 101.6 millimeters. For example, this is an example, I think that was on Wikipedia, a horse that is 15... 0.2 H is 15 hands plus two inches for a total of 62 inches in height. So yeah, you measure horses by hands. And I'm like, but like my, hand, I you know, is Do it like spread dainty your hands? You spread them? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really look up the actual. I think it's just maybe you just know it's four inches. Horse people let us know. Maybe all people who are into horses have exactly the kind of hands to measure. <laughs> you are not allowed to yeah. own horses if you don't have horse there, hands. There's like a template yeah when you go to and they are like okay put your hand here they're like nope horses can weigh from 120 to 2200 pounds a huge range yeah why is the range so huge you
0: ask jen why is it so huge
1: (laughs) so because (laughs) the size of horses vary by breed and it's also influenced by the quantity and quality of food that they eat so it can be within the breed different and there's so many so many breeds I didn't know this. Ponies are taxonomically the same animals as horses. The only difference is their height. So like Jen, you would be a pony, Aww. I'd be like a riding horse, and your husband John would be like
0: Clydesdale. That big? They're the biggest know. though. Well he's very he's tall. Th- I mean he's tall, but he's not like crazy. Maybe he's maybe he's like tall. Like an Arabian. To us. But yeah. He is tall. Yeah. That's for sure. So like a pony and I'm married to a Clydesdale. Basically. Weird. I see it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you guys are going to dress up for Halloween. It's going to be great. All right. So the largest horse in recorded history was probably a Shire horse named Mammoth. Perfect name. Mm -hmm. Who was born in 1848. He stood 21.2 and a a fourth hands, which is 86.25 inches or 219 centimeters high. And his peak weight was estimated at 1,524 kilograms or 3,360 pounds.
0: Holy crap. Can you imagine that stepping on your foot? I hope he was nice.
1: It seems like the larger the horse, we'll talk a little bit about it, but the like more calm they can be.
0: They're like dogs. Yeah. Uh,
1: the record holder for the smallest horse ever is Thumbelina. These names really on point. A fully mature miniature horse affected by dwarfism. She was 17 inches tall Aww. and weighed 57 pounds. That's, That's 26 so cute. kilograms.
0: Yeah. That's like pika.
1: When you look up their IUCN listing, this is for domesticated and feral horses. They are listed as domesticated or basically no there's no need to even count them because they're so plentiful
0: They're like they're fine
1: yeah and there is a difference between wild horses and feral horses we'll get to that horses are odd toed hoofed animals i don't really know what it means by odd toed i guess because they have just one hoof one toe someone tell me what that means Um, i guess because they don't have a split hoof you know like a pig has like split hoof so maybe that's two toed uh they belong to the family equidae 45 to 55 million years ago, they evolved from a small multi-toed creature, Eohippus, into the large single-toed animal of today. If you've seen a drawing of Eohippus, they're usually spotted. It's like the spots on them look something like between a leopard and a fawn. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like cave hyena? drawings. A little bit like a hyena. Yeah. When I was looking, at it, I was like, it kind of looks like a hyena, but it's a horse. Okay. So, and it has, I think, like four little toes. They're like tiny hooves. A little little creepy. A little bit creepy. Horses in the subspecies cabalus are domesticated, although some domesticated populations live in the wild as feral horses. And these feral horses are not true wild horses because their ancestors, feral horse ancestors, were domesticated and bred as opposed to the current subspecies of actual wild horse, and we'll talk about them. So there has been some differing information on this, but likely Asian nomads domesticated the first horses like 4,000 years ago. The earliest archaeological evidence for the domestication of the horse comes from sites in Ukraine and Kazakhstan dating to approximately 4,000 to 3,500 BC. Wow. So that's domesticating them. By 300 BC, the horse was completely domesticated. And by 200 BC, there were more horse bones showing up in human settlements in northwestern Europe. So that meant that they're spreading throughout the continent. And they were being used for things like warfare, work, and transportation. The earliest human-horse interactions, though, are from the Paleolithic sites in Eurasia. And that's as early as 30,000 BCE. And this interaction between humans and horses before they were domesticated, was strictly for food. So in those sites, they would find butchered horse bones. Oh, so,
0: so they people were eating hunted them. them? Yeah. Wow.
1: And interestingly, horse depictions or like the drawings that you see in caves or like ancient drawings show up more than any other animal in Paleolithic cave art. So they were super popular. Wow. People really like them. So it wasn't just that they liked them for dinner, but like also they were kind of interested in them because they were pretty and they ran fast.
0: And they're like, "How can I climb on you?"
1: Yeah. And actually, I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, what if like somehow people had been more interested in hyenas? Would we be riding hyenas today? Oh, gross! I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> well, ride. There's got to be an. There's definitely an alternate dimension. They're all like, hey! <laughs> It's like all crazy. There's got to be an alternate dimension where people just ride hyenas instead of horses. I'm glad I don't live in that dimension. True. For the modern domesticated horse, their life expectancy is between 25 to 30 years. And this can be influenced by the kind of care they get, you know, food, shelter, all that stuff. And also Mm -hmm. what kind of job, quote unquote, job they do. Um, The oldest verifiable record was Old Billy a 19th century horse that lived to the age of 62.
0: Wow, that is old.
1: Uh, Sugar Puff, who had been listed in the Guinness World Records as the world's oldest living pony, died in 2007 at the age of 56.
0: Aw, I hope Sugar Puff. Well, with a name like that, I hope you had a good life. So sweet, yeah. Uh,
1: This is a super random fact that I liked. Regardless of a horse or pony's actual birth date, for competition purposes, a year is added to its age every January 1st in the Northern Hemisphere, And every August 1st in the Southern Hemisphere. So if you have a horse who uh, does any kind of competition like dressage or Mm -hmm. whatever, then their birthday is January 1st if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and August 1st if you're in the Southern. Just automatically. Doesn't matter when they were born. That's when it happens. The exception is endurance riding. So, if there's a horse that uh, is in the sport of endurance riding, where the minimum age to compete is based on the animal's actual calendar age.
0: Just imagine that you could have a horse when you're a kid and have it your whole life. Yeah. It's like family right there.
1: There's only one species of domestic horse, but around 400 different breeds that specialize in everything from pulling wagons to racing to jumping. But all horses are grazers, so they still have like the same kind of like digestive system and all that. They're just different breeds, just like
0: dogs. Just like dogs, yeah.
1: Feral horses can be found in many places around the world. Free-roaming North American Mustangs, for example, are the descendants of horses brought by Europeans more than 400 years ago. That's like a just general example. Mm-hmm. A little Wikipedia part there. There are lots of names for different ages of horses. Let's go through them. A foal is a horse of either sex, less than one year old. And a nursing foal is sometimes called a suckling. And a foal that has been weaned is called a weanling. Uh, So just all the things. A yearling is a horse of either sex that is between one and two years old. A colt is a male horse under the age of four. And I guess that people sometimes will incorrectly call any horse, female or male, a colt. But that's incorrect because a female horse under the age of four is called a filly. A mare is a female horse that's four years old and older. A stallion is a non-castrated male horse, four years old and older. And did you know that horse, the word horse, sometimes is used to refer specifically to a stallion? Like if you say a horse, you're talking about a stallion. Some people think that colloquially. um, Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, that's the horse patriarchy right there. All horses are dudes. Um, And then a gelding is a castrated male horse of any age. Which I kind of like the name gilding, but like it's a little bit sad. All right. So do you want to know what a group of horses is called, Jen?
0: Um, A herd.
1: So yeah, a herd is one of the names that you can call a group of horses. You can also call a group of horses a team, a harass, a rag if it's a group of colts, a stud, which is a group kept primarily for breeding, Uh or a string, which is a group belonging to or used by one individual.
0: That is so confusing. And that's too many things. There are so... Let's pick one. Honestly, there are so many a things. Harass?
1: J- H-A-R-R-A-S. Me, I'm just like, it's a herd of horses.
0: Yes. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> or just a bunch of horses. Just a bunch of horses. Look at those horses over there. A bunch of horses over there. What?
1: Horse color and markings are often used to classify before even the breed or sex is used. So like if you see a horse, you might not call it by its breed or if it's like a colt or whatever, you would say the color first. So it's used to identify certain horses. There are a lot of different colors and markings and combinations of colors and markings. It's a lot. The most important colors are black, bay, chestnut, and sorrel, palomino, cream, and white. Also, there are grays.
0: Those all sound tasty. I know. Like different types of lattes. I I'm just having a sweet
1: tooth right now. Did you know horses that have a white coat color are often mislabeled? A horse that looks white is usually a middle-aged or older gray. And grays are born a darker shade, and they get lighter as they age. But usually, underneath their coat, they have black skin. The only horses properly called white are born with white hair and pink skin, which is a really rare occurrence,
0: like a unicorn. Like an albino, kind of. Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm just saying, there's a lot. There's a lot, Jen. I'm learning a lot right now, Megan. I really appreciate this. It's good to oh, and when somebody's like, look at that white horse, I'll be like, it's not white. It was gray. <laughs> it was gray. Did you turn its white, skin color? Its skin is black, like a polar
1: bear. That's right. There are different facial markings and also body markings on horses. I just kind of looked at the facial markings because I thought they were really neat. There's something called a star. So that's when there's like a spot at the top, like the forehead of Mm -hmm. the horse Mm -hmm. between the eyes. There's something called a stripe that's a thin stripe down the middle all the way from the tip of the nose to the top of the forehead. There's a blaze, which is like more wide and actually covers the whole nose and a little more
0: of the forehead. So Megan's showing this like she with on my her hands. head, yes, like with her hands. And I'm like, oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a picture. <laughs>
1: um And then a snip is a little coloration between the nostrils. I was reading some stuff and they're like, oh, this horse, you know, had a star this. And I was like, do they have an actual star on their forehead? But no, it's just like. That little spot.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Feral horses generally gather in groups of three to 20, the animals. So obviously, if they're domesticated, they're living in a stable, hopefully, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on some kind of... So there's whatever number of horses are there. Yes, is what it what it is. But feral horses will generally gather in groups of three to 20, which is a pretty big range. I did read different information in one article, but it seems that a stallion leads the group, which consists of mares and young foals. Kind of his harem. A little bit. Yeah. When a young male becomes a colt around two years of age, the stallion will drive them away.
0: Oh. the main
1: yeah stallion the Colts will then roam with other young males until they can gather their own band of females their own little little harem of and they'll keep splitting horsies. out with their yeah. ladies yeah um the estrus cycle of a mare occurs roughly every 19 to 22 days and it's from early spring all the way into autumn and most mares en- enter what's called an anestrus period and that's during the winter time where they don't have any cycle and i'm like can we have that
0: what is it called again? How do you spell it?
1: It's an estrus. So it's like estrus, but with an in front of it. An estrus. An estrus. That's,
0: That's our word for the day. There we go.
1: The thing that we would love heart emoji. <laughs> <laughs> um gestation lasts approximately 340 days there is an average range of 320 to 370 so if it's like on the lower end anything before that 320 the the foal won't make it uh usually there's only one foal born to a mare there there have been twins they're kind of rare and i did read that there have been triplet
0: Ooh.
1: yeah Makes but that's super unusual um horses are a precocial precochial species I don't know if I'm saying that right. Basically, what that means is when they're born, they're in an advanced state of development. So when they come out, they just like can walk and eyes are open. Oh, yeah, I think we talked open. about that. They can react to stimuli within a short time following birth. So they're ready to go. Foals are usually born in the spring and then they wean between four and six months of age. Now, did you know that a horse skeleton has 205 bones?
0: No, I did not know that.
1: So we have 206, right? Okay. Do you know what bone the horse is missing? If we were like, if we're looking at comparative skeletons. Thumbs? I'll tell you. <laughs> what is <laughs> <laughs> They don't have a collarbone.
0: Oh. And I was
1: like, oh. So the, for- the horse's forelimbs are attached to the spinal column by muscles, tendons, and ligaments. So it's like. I guess that's why their necks are real strong. Um, And those ligaments also attach the shoulder blade to the torso. So a horse hoof is kind of interesting because it is the equivalent of the human fingertip or like tip of the toes. Mm -hmm. Um, And the exterior hoof wall and horn of the sole is made of keratin, which is the same thing as a human fingernail. Yes. But basically, because of the way that horse hooves are, it's all of those... All of those bones, those distal phalanges, mm-hmm. they're all in one together. So it's it's as if the horse, which weighs an average of five hundred kilograms or one thousand one hundred pounds, is walking on their tippy toes all the time. I
0: don't like to think about that.
1: I know. But that's what it is.
0: Well, they're comfortable with it. I'm yeah. not.
1: Well, and they also have like really big finger. you know what I mean. If you imagine the hoof is like a big fingernail that's kind of supporting all of that.
0: Yeah, uh, even a more bit Grossy. Yeah. Which is why you have to shoe them and keep yes. their hooves filed down because if All they're not fine. feral when they're feral they run around They and, can do it. Yeah. yeah on their own. Yes. So Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. For the protection of the hoof, under certain conditions, some horses have horseshoes placed on their feet by a professional farrier, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like the person who takes care of the feet. The hoof continually grows and will need to be trimmed every five to eight weeks in domesticated horses. And like you were saying, the uh, hooves of horses in the wild wear down and regrow at
0: a rate sustainable for their terrain. So wherever they're it's basically like horseshoes are like getting gel caps or yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's just like some tips.
1: Horses also have no muscles in their legs below the knees.
0: What? Did you know that? I didn't
1: know that. Only skin, hair, bone, tendons, ligaments, cartilage, and the assorted specialized tissues that make up the hoof.
0: Is that why it's so bad when they break them? I think that's why. Because what are you going to attach it to? Like, how is it? Wow. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that. It seems like because they have all the muscles everywhere else that that part is just an extension. The, all Everything else is moving that part. Yeah.
1: And it seems like, wow, way to like really put yourself up on a precarious well, situation. Well, to be able
0: to run that fast. Right. You need it to be light and just move. Mm-hmm. And all the muscles above it, just move
1: it. That is exactly how like physics of horse running works. Is that they have this like really tight, uh mass of muscles that just like very swiftly moves their little
0: little bones. It's like they have little fingers and there's like Di-di-di-di-di. And if there were muscles it would be heavier. Someone is like that's not true. Someone's like, lies <laughs> Why are you? I guess they're, gonna, to they're already like riding to us. Horses
1: are adapted to grazing. Adult horses have twelve incisors in the front of the mouth. That's their like little In the front? Yeah. They kind of creep me out a little bit. Those are used to bite off grass or other vegetation. And then they have 24 teeth adapted for chewing, which are the premolars and molars at the back of the mouth. Stallions and geldings have four additional teeth just behind the incisors. And they are a type of canine teeth called tushes. And some (laughs) horses, I know. (laughs) Some horses, both male and female, will also develop one to four very small vestigial teeth in front of the molars known as wolf teeth quote unquote, wolf teeth, generally removed because they interfere with the bit. So in the horse's mouth, there's that space between those front incisors and the back premolars and molars. Uh And that is where the bit rests directly on the gums Uh or the bars of the horse's mouth when you put a horse in a bridle, which
0: just thinking about that kind of makes my mouth hurt a little bit. Well, I kind of feel like is, I guess removing the teeth is...
1: If they're vestigial, that's not like super bad, I don't think. They don't have a purpose. I mean, as long as they're done, it's done correctly, I guess. It's a little funky to think about. And also, it made me realize that when a horse has a bit in its mouth and someone pulls back on the bridle, hopefully Uh I'm saying that right, uh, it's actually pulling back on on the molars. Yeah, Yeah. premolars. Anyway, no
0: judgment. (sighs) Just facts. Just saying facts.
1: You can estimate a horse's age by its teeth. Have
0: you heard that before? Well, it's the same thing with deer. Yeah. I actually took a class, a deer check class. I was at Oklahoma State doing wildlife. There you go, So what you got to do. So you age. They basically, the test at the end was like all these jaw bones laying on different tables and we had to go around and age. Age them? Did you do well? I guessed a lot. I did okay. You were like, "Uh." I was like, I'm never going to do this. Right. You know, I just needed an extra hour
1: of credit towards wildlife. Their teeth continue to come out, erupt throughout their life, and they're worn down by grazing. And the incisors show changes as the horse ages. So they'll develop like a distinct wear pattern Mm -hmm. and changes in the tooth shape and the angle at which their chewing surfaces meet. So I guess that's the way you can tell like how long they've been alive. It's approximately or it's like a good way.
0: Like rings in a tree. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Teeth and a horse. Their major source of nutrients are good quality forage from hay or grass. They eat 2 to 2.5% of their body weight in dry feed each day. And the example that Wikipedia gave is a 450 kilogram or 990 pound adult horse could eat up to 11 kilograms or 24 pounds of food.
0: That's why it's expensive to have horses.
1: Yeah, dude. The one thing that I learned very quickly in reading about horses is all those times that, you know, like as a kid, I'd be like, I want a pony. Like, wow. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> there's so much work. So much work. I thought My mom, dogs are work. They
0: had a pony, she had a horse. Yeah. They had one or two horses when she was a kid. Well, that's
1: why people put them in stables that other people take care of. Yes. Because it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's like a daily, all the time job.
0: It's like having chickens. <laughs> it's
1: a lot of work, but larger.
0: <laughs> what if you had a chicken that was the size of a horse? I would be really scared. Imagine the eggs on those things. <laughs> My dad. omelets for the whole Kids neighborhood. Feed a town. T- horses
1: require ten to twelve gallons of water every day. It's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. I mean, I try to drink that much. It's really important to stay <laughs> <I try> hydrated. <laughs> <it into. laughs> twelve gallons.
0: You just, <laughs> you would just, die. you would just die. Yeah, yeah, no, you wouldn't. You'd be in the hospital. It's over.
1: Um, even though horses are adapted to live outside, they do require shelter for wind and precipitation. I think about how sometimes you'll see animal welfare shows, and they'll have a horse that's just in a field, and there's no shelter for that horse. Mm -hmm. And I think before I was reading about this, I didn't realize that that was a requirement. Like, they really need some place to shelter. Yes. You can't just keep them in a field. That's effed up. Um, Horses are prey animals, so they have some super heightened senses. Uh, They have the largest eyes of any land mammal. I did not know that. Really? Yeah, I thought cows were... The largest, largest eye. eyes, but apparently it's horses. They have big, sweet eyes. They do. They are are very they're very sweet. Um, their eyes are lateral, uh, meaning that their eye positions are on the sides of their heads. I'm sure everyone can picture, if you have never seen a horse go look one of right now, <laughs> you can picture they're on either side of the head. <laughs> and it gives them a range of vision that's more than 350 degrees. They do have something similar to human red-green color blindness. So certain colors will look green, like reds or things related to reds will look green. I think okay. that they can see yellow and blue. I might have read that someplace. Um, Their sense of smell is somewhere between humans and dogs, uh, if we're going to scale smell. That's a big scale. So not as bad as humans, not as good as dogs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A horse's hearing is good and they can rotate their ears up to 180 degrees, giving them the potential for 360 degree hearing without ever having to move their head. And I think... I've seen that. Yeah, yeah we've all seen their where they're ears. Like, they're just moving around everywhere. A noise is a huge impactor to, to horse stress levels. I really like this little tidbit of knowledge. A 2013 study in the UK indicated that stabled horses were calmest in a quiet setting or if listening to country or classical music, but displayed signs of nervousness when listening to jazz or rock music then i'm like
0: same jazz can sometimes be a little much you know oh I mean? man my uncle used to i remember when i was a kid and i'd go to his house and he, in his studio because he did like sculpting stuff mm-hmm. it'd be like that jazz it's like like, like super that. chaotic yeah and i was all like oh <laughs> <laughs> like, <I just>, like, <laughs> make it stop an
1: australian study found that stabled racehorses listen listening to talk radio had a higher rate of gastric ulcers than horses listening to music. Is it like Rush Limbaugh?
0: Oh, <laughs> like, but not podcast. don't we, have, know. we can have like soothing voices. That's like, right. Listen, it's all good. It's all good, We're horses. We love you.
1: Horses have great balance and highly developed proprioception, which I is... I know what you're saying. The unconscious sense of where the body and limbs are at all times. So they just kind of know where their shit is.
0: Proprioception. Correct. I don't have that.
1: The most sensitive areas for touch for horses are around their eyes, ears, and nose. Horses are able to sense contact as subtle as an insect landing anywhere on their body. Horses have a great sense of taste. And they use this and their prehensile lips to find what they would like to eat within their feed or their fodder. So they can actually like pick out individual grains with their little lippy lips. That's super cute. You know how they're like, uh, like I just think about Mr. Ed. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly.
0: Didn't they do something to Mr. Ed, like give him peanut butter or something to make his lips move around like that? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully nothing
1: too horrible. All horses move naturally with four basic gates. So this is where we learn about how they walk. Uh, There's the 4-beat walk, which averages 4 miles per hour. The 2-beat trot or jog at 8 to 11 miles per hour. Uh, The canter or lope, which is a 3-beat gait, is 12 to 15 miles per hour. And the gallop is 25 to 30 miles per hour. But the world record for a horse galloping over a short sprint distance is 70.76 kilometers per hour or 43.97 miles per hour. That is fast.
0: That is super fast. That's I mean, crazy that's, fast. that's
1: over the speed limit on most roads in Guam.
0: There's no road on Guam over <laughs> 35.
1: Yes. Feral horses like Mustangs, they generally run at 25 to 30 miles per hour. That's and I think fast. they do that over long distances. Yeah. Like it's not just like a short burst. They just run for a long time. Because they're prey animals, they have a very strong fight or flight response. And their first reaction to a threat is to startle and usually flee. Uh, But they'll stand their ground and defend themselves if they can't flee at all, if it's impossible, or if there is a a foal around Mm -hmm. or like a young, some young animal is threatened. One of their young animals, not just like a porcupine. (laughs) They're just like, this young porcupine, don't hurt him.
0: Leave it alone.
1: Domesticated and feral horses have a variety of communication methods. So they use vocalization, scent markings, and visual signs. And in feral horses, the dominant stallions generally make shrill noises to warn other members when there's like a predation coming. There's some kind of uh, scary thing coming to hurt the herd. Horses are herd animals, and they have a clear hierarchy of rank. And they are led by a dominant individual. And I read two different things. Sometimes it's a mare. Sometimes it's a stallion. Hmm. Question mark. I don't know. It was like in two different uh, references One said, oh, it's always a stallion, and one said it's always a mare. They are also very social creatures, and they're able to form companionship attachments to their own species and to other animals, including humans. Um, They don't like to be isolated, and when they are isolated from a group or or people or other horses, they start to become difficult. So that isolation that's coupled with maybe a lack of exercise or lack of stimulation can cause some horses to develop what are called stable vices, which are basically bad habits. That includes things like wood chewing, wall kicking, weaving, which is where they rock back and forth, and then, you know, other problems.
0: Sounds like dogs. Yeah. Domesticated
1: horses are sometimes described using the terms cold bloods or hot bloods relating to their temperament, not, you know, because obviously they're mammals, they're, warm-blooded. they're not cold,
0: but yeah. yeah.
1: Hot bloods can be more sensitive and have more energy. A lot of race horses can be described in this way. Um, they're usually spirited, bold, and they learn things very quickly. They're bred for agility and speed, and they tend to be really physically refined. So they'll have thin skin. They'll be slim and long-legged. Cold bloods are quieter and calmer. These can be more along the lines of like a draft horse or a workhorse. So think about a plow horse or like a horse that's used for carriages or like a Clydesdale would be... A cold blood. Gentle Giants.
0: Old Paint. Do you remember that? <laughs> Did you learn that song when you were a kid? No. What are Goodbye, you Goodbye, ta- old paint. I'm a leaving Cheyenne. Somebody back me up. Who <laughs> grew up? Who <laughs> grew up? <laughs> And had to learn weird songs in music class. That was one of them. I never learned that one. That's amazing. <laughs> you learned Jeremiah was a bullfrog.
1: I definitely did, yeah.
0: Okay, well, it's the same same class.
1: Oh, okay. So yeah, Belgians and Clydesdales are well-known draft breeds. Uh, I also read about warm-blooded horses, so they're the ones right in the middle. They're like the Goldilocks of horses, I guess. Mm (laughs) I don't know. They're developed um, when carriage horses and war horses were crossed with Arabian or thoroughbreds, which are more like the racing horses. Right. And there are certain pony breeds with warm blood characteristics, and those have been developed for smaller riders, like kids, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Warm bloods are commonly sport horses, but they're used in competitions like dressage or show jumping, like slower. They're not racing.
0: Not racing. Not racing,
1: but but still... Doing the thing. Doing all the stuff. Um, Horses are able to sleep both standing up and lying down. And they have this adaptation that actually locks their knees in place. It's called a stay apparatus. And that's how they can stand up without falling over. And I guess that's why. I don't know if cows also have that. Maybe that's why you can cow tip. I was just thinking about it. It is super mean. But horses will sleep better in groups because of this whole being a prey species, they want extra people, extra people, extra horses to be there to watch out for predators. So like mm-hmm. they will sleep in shifts.
0: Well, so if I get a horse, I have to get like 20. You have to get a bunch of you can't yeah. just get one. Right? Yeah, it's like chickens. It's so like cats. It, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so that's another reason why keeping horses alone can be a problem because they're always going to be more alert. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be any other horse there to, like, pick up the slack.
0: They're lonely. They are lonely. Just bring them in the house.
1: Um, Horses don't sleep in a solid, unbroken period of time. Like, they don't sleep for eight hours. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they don't
1: sleep like me they sleep like you <laughs> um, so they'll take lots of short rests. they'll spend 4 to 15 hours a day in standing rest kind of off and on
0: okay.
1: um, and that can be from a few minutes to several hours if they lie down and the average sleep of a domestic horse is said to be 2.9 hours per day
0: Oh, that sounds about right. Jesus Christ. I got that.
1: <laughs> I'm just like so tired thinking about it. I know that's like, maybe that's more that. That. I need like 18 hours. Horses must lie down to reach REM sleep, though, and they need at least an hour or two every few days at the minimum to hit that REM sleep.
0: So will they do it on their own or do the they'll owners do need own. to kind of like give them? No, no, no. They'll do it on their own. Yeah, like sing to them, so, like play guitar. <laughs> Why are there so many <laughs> songs about <Rebus?
1: laughs> Oh, God. I can't wait to see your staple. You're going to get a horse and you're just going to put the chickens in with a horse and they're just all going to love each other. It's just going to be like a horse with a bunch of chickens it's and they're like a lot of chickens. so happy. If a horse is never allowed to lie down after several days, it will become sleep deprived and in rare cases may suddenly collapse because it will involuntarily slip into REM sleep, Which is the same as sleep paralysis, I'm just saying.
0: Oh, okay. When
1: you're so tired that you just like you hit REM before your body actually shuts down.
0: Oh. Because
1: you know when you go into REM, there's like kind of a paralyzing thing that typically happens with most people where you can't flash like move your limbs around while you're in REM sleep. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what happens to them. And actually, it's not narcolepsy necessarily,
0: but horses can get narcolepsy. Oh, well, I had a chicken with narcolepsy. So, That's true. why wouldn't they be able to lie down like if somebody had tied them to something maybe. and they cannot?
1: Or maybe if they were alone. Right, and they never really rested because they were so on alert. Right, that might happen. Yeah,
0: oh, they need a lot of care.
1: Yes. A lot of care. So let's talk about truly wild horses.
0: Wild horses. I'm not wild gonna do it. Oh God, horses. there it is. <laughs> was
1: like, the best part is that I was like looking up wild horses, and you, it's the first thing that comes up is like a video of Mick Jagger, like. <laughs> wild horses. A truly wild horse is a species or subspecies with no ancestors that were ever domesticated. There are only two wild subspecies, the tarpan and the, I cannot say this word. We talked
0: about the tarpan. Yes,
1: I'm totally going to mention it. And the Przewalski's horse. Okay. I'm probably not saying that right. It's P-R-Z-E-W-A-L-S-K-I. Apostrophe s yes, horse. So those are the only two that survived into recorded history, and only the Przewalski's horse survives today. The Przewalski's horse, which is Equus Ferris przewalskii, named after the Russian explorer Nikolai Przewalski. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's spelled differently. Oh, wow, you're really um, good. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Nikolai. P r z h uh, e v a l s k y. It's a rare Asian horse. It is known as the Mongolian wild horse. Mongolian people call it the taki, like, takis. Like, they're <laughs> really hot fries? Those really hot, like, Chip. tortilla chips. I never eat those because I don't like hot stuff.
0: Oh, I love but, those, yeah.
1: But, yeah, my daughter. Just a real quick shout-out to my Hawaii friends. We eat a lot of takis. Big shout-out to
0: my... 10 year old who loves them but i limit her intake does i love it that she loves them i'm like you can have five of these once a year because it's not good for you well and also makes your butthole hurt later (laughs) it was (laughs) so painful wow tmi but good psa right
1: there right The subspecies of these Mongolian wild horses, Artaki, were presumed extinct in the wild between 1969 and 1992. And there was a small breeding population that survived in zoos around the world. And in 1992, they were reestablished in the wild uh, because there were a, a lot of those zoos were hyping up their conservation efforts, and so they wanted to get them back into the wild. And today, a small wild breeding population exists in Mongolia. And in another place, I read that actually the last Przewalski horse was seen in Mongolia in 1968. So I'm not entirely sure which one is more accurate. I think there is still that wild breeding population that's in Mongolia. That's so cool. And. Like you mentioned, the tarpon, or European wild horse, Equus ferris ferris, was found in Europe and much of Asia and survived into the historical era, but became extinct in 1909 when the last captive died in the Russian zoo. And if you remember from our Heck Cow episode, attempts were made by the Nazis to breed back the tarpon, yes. but they only really had the physical or morphological similarities. They can't be considered true wild horses because domesticated horses were used in that program. Right. Not real. Horses are used for a lot of reasons. And the Food and Agriculture Organization, FAO, estimates that in 2008, there were almost 59 million horses in the world, with around 33.5 million in the Americas, 13.8 million in Asia, 6.3 million in Europe, and smaller portions in Africa and Oceania. There are estimated to be 9.5 million horses in the United States alone. That's a lot. Of horses. That's a lot. The American Horse Council estimates that horse related activities have a direct impact on the economy of the United States of over $39 billion. When indirect spending is considered, the impact is over $102 billion. Wow. I gotta say, like, horse farms, people who own horses, race horses, do the like, it takes a lot of money.
0: And there's a lot of a lot horses. Of there's actually a lot of horses, um, horse owners on Guam. That's true. Yep. Um, in a
1: 2004 poll conducted by Animal Planet, more than 50,000 viewers from 73 countries voted for the horse as the world's fourth favorite animal. So a lot of people really love them.
0: Well, they're really sweet, except for they when they're really
1: not. Sweet. Equestrian sports kind of came around because they were a way to entertain crowds. But the actual reason for them was to work on horsemanship for battle. So horses were originally yeah. used for things like warfare. In order to control the horse on the battlefield the way you wanted it to, you know, you, you'd you have to practice certain things. And people got interested in watching that. And that's how it kind of became an entertainment value or a sport. There's lots of sports that we already talked about. Um, show jumping, eventing, dressage. And Am I saying that right? I feel like such a... Dressage? No, that's right. I feel like such a, like bougie person dressage Oh, that's right (laughs) all right sweet and yeah those all have origins in military training um then there's sports like rodeo that were developed for practical skills that you need on a working ranch um sport hunting was evolved from the earlier practical hunting techniques racing came from impromptu competitions between riders and drivers can you imagine the first horse race? Like they're just kind of hanging around, and one guy's like, "I bet I can beat you. I bet my horse can beat your horse."
0: My ho- my horse is way faster than your horse. From
1: there to the Kentucky Derby, having these different specialized sports ended up pushing along the development of different breeds and equipment. There are also more job "quote unquote" focused horses, and I was like, "Yeah, there are. There are tons of work horses that mm-hmm. you don't really think about today, but they're still around, like police horses." cattle ranching horses, search and rescue park ranger horses where maybe they don't want people to be riding in a little less disturbance Um, and then there's like farm work horses they do clearing and hauling There's estimated 100 million horses, donkeys, and mules that are still used for agriculture and transportation in less developed areas in the world, and that includes 27 million working animals in Africa alone. Um, Horses were used in warfare, like I mentioned, and now in the military, they are mostly ceremonial. Like, I don't know that there's any military on the Mm -hmm. planet that currently uses horses in battle. Thank God. Let's never do that again. So we did talk about this in a previous episode, that horses are used in the entertainment industry, I don't really want to talk about that anymore because it was so freaking depressing. It was depressing. Uh, There's one really cool use of horses that I like in particular, and it is therapeutic riding. They Mm -hmm. use for mentally and physically disabled people to help them improve their lives through improved balance and coordination, increased self-confidence, and a greater feeling of freedom and and independence. I think this is a really uplifting way to help people. And also, I think it's good for horses because they have something to work for and interacting with like different people and that social experience like therapy dogs therapy dogs
0: exactly yes
1: horses are just more delicate dogs it's
0: just dogs can't we can't ride them to work
1: (laughs) (laughs) we could try saber would
0: be so sad
1: all right there are a lot of downsides to a lot of these uses for horses minus the therapeutic riding i think Um, sadly also horses are used as raw materials for many products made by humans Uh, mare's milk used raw and fermented in some cultures still drunk Horse blood was once used as food by nomadic tribes in Mongolia. The drug premarin is a mixture of estrogens extracted from the urine of pregnant mares and was previously a widely used drug for hormone replacement therapy.
0: Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, ho, really?
1: Yeah. The tail hair of horses can be used for making bows, four string instruments such as the violin, viola, cello, and double bass.
0: I mean, I get it that if you're using all these once the horse has died. Sure.
1: Which I think. In some of these cases, horses become too expensive for owners, and they are quote-unquote retired.
0: Not only that, like if they just die, and then you could use those things. You could use the parts, sure. Yeah, rather than just putting yeah. the animal to waste.
1: Um, horse meat is still something that people eat worldwide. Currently, approximately 5 million horses are slaughtered each year for meat. Horsehide leather has been used for boots, gloves, jackets, baseballs, and baseball gloves. Horse hooves can also be used to produce animal glue. And I don't think they do this anymore, but it used to be in jello, gelatin. Mm. Um, in Italian food, uh, the horse tibia is sharpened into a probe called a spinto, which is used to test the readiness of a ham as it cures. I think that might be like old school.
0: That's very hopefully old
1: that doesn't continue to go on. Um, in Asia, the saba is a horsehide vessel used in the production of kumis, which is that fermented mare's milk. This is all the bad stuff. I'm sorry, Jan. Um, horses are subjected to a number of contagious diseases, such as influenza, strangles, which I'm like, what is that? Got a case of the strangles. <laughs> <I know. laughs> that sounds like some crime show I'm watching. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Glanders, equine encephalomyelitis which I think is when the sheathing around the brain would be inflamed. And equine infectious anemia, which is called swamp fever. Um, Their skin is affected by parasites, including certain mites, ticks, and lice. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have sensitive skin. Some of them can get eczema and abscesses, and that can be a result from neglect or contamination. They can get sores caused by injury to the skin because of ill-fitting or unclean saddles and bridles. Um, That's a common ailment with Mm -hmm. a lot of horses, domesticated horses. Um, The horse's digestive tract is particularly sensitive to spoiled feed, which causes acute or chronic indigestion, especially in hot
0: weather. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah.
1: Worms can develop in the intestine and include the larvae of the botfly, pinworms, tapeworms, and roundworms. Uh, Overwork and neglect may predispose the horse to pneumonia and rheumatism, and chronic asthma or, quote, broken wind is an ailment that is all but incurable.
0: See, this is the other thing about having horses is they can get injured or a disease or something. I mean, I've just witnessed this with other people who have horses, Mm -hmm. and they spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to try to help the horse. And having a horse is a lot of monies.
1: And we, we talked about this um, a little bit in the entertainment episode with horses, that legs and feet are sensitive to blow, sprains, and overwork, mm-hmm. um, especially if the horse is young or worked on hard surfaces. Uh, lameness may be caused by bony growths, such as splints, spavins, and ring bones, by soft tissue enlargements known as wind galls, through pins and shoe boils, and by injury to the hooves, including sand crack, split hoof, tread thrush and acute or chronic laminitis. This is a lot
0: of old-timey words right here. (laughs) I mean, really. These were made up in like... 1752. They're like 3000 BC. They're like thrombots.
1: <laughs> like,
0: you scoundrel. They need to make up some new words. Yeah. Well, probably they get vaccinated for a lot of this stuff. And then you kind of keep them on a regimen of demurmur and certain mm-hmm. things. Right. Agreed. So I read this article or like this thing called
1: myths and facts about feral horses and burrows. And it was put together by uh, the Animal Welfare Society, which I I'm pretty sure we talked about them in an episode. They sound really familiar to me. And I'm like, isn't that an organization that we Mm -hmm. chose to support? Sounds super familiar. When I read through this little like disclaimer is that it feels very much like an attack on the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, There are too many feral horses and burros on public lands and their numbers must be reduced. That is a myth. During the 1800s, it is estimated that there were more than 2 million feral horses and burros roaming the West. These animals, along with countless wildlife species ranging from bison to wolves to prairie dogs, were the victims of ghastly extermination efforts, primarily to make way for private domestic livestock grazing, which kind of ties back into our black-footed ferret today. The second myth is feral horses and burrows must be rounded up to save them from dying of starvation or thirst. While the Bureau of Land Management argues that feral horses and burrows are being rounded up for their own good. Animal advocates have frequently found that herd areas stricken by so-called, quote, emergency conditions weren't nearly as bad off as the Bureau claimed. It it seems like what they're trying to say is that the Bureau of Land Management is like, we got to get rid of all these feral horses. It feels a little bit like a feral cat program, but horses don't eat birds, so (laughs) it's a little bit different. Here's another myth. Feral horses and burrows are destructive to the environment and must be removed in order to protect ecosystem health lies feral horses and burrows like any wildlife species have an impact on the environment but due to their natural behavior their impact is minimal in fact feral horses and burrows play a beneficial ecological role for example by dispersing seeds through elimination thereby helping to reseed the landscape meaning they're poops they're pooping it out also they blaze trails during heavy snowfall and break ice at watering holes helping weaker animals to survive during harsh winter months Feral horses and burrows can also serve as food for predator species such as mountain lions. Mountain lions got to eat. The next myth, feral horses and burrows are an exotic or a feral species and must be removed to protect native wildlife. Not so. The paleontological record shows that the cradle of equine evolution occurred in North America beginning more than 60 million years ago. So they're trying to say that they're not exotic. They might be feral. They might come from a domesticated uh, species, but... They're not exotic. Ranchers depend upon livestock grazing for their livelihood and feral horses and burrows are creating an undue hardship on their operations. While some small family ranchers do depend on livestock for their primary source of income, the top grazing permits on our public lands in terms of numbers of livestock are held by corporate interests, including the Hilton Family Trust, Anheuser-Busch, Inc., Nevada First Corp., and Metropolitan Life Company. In 1992, the General Accounting Office reported that just 16% of the approximately 20,000 public lands gra- Raising permittees, permittees controlled more than 76.2% of forage available on Bureau lands, and most of these were either very wealthy individuals or big corporations. These wealthy corporate interests are much more concerned with the paper stock than livestock and with preserving their tax write-offs than a way of life. For the most part, removing feral horses and burros translates into just one more form of corporate welfare. That's a, a little bit scathing there. I mean, true. Corporations, dude. I think this is the... Last one, uh, removed horses and burros are adopted to loving homes through the government's, quote, adopt a horse or burrow program. I didn't know how controversial this was. The Bureau has an obligation to ensure that persons adopting feral horses and burrows are, quote, qualified adopters, but many people do not fully understand the responsibility and commitment that is required to care for an adopted animal, thus setting the stage for failed adoptions.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. So this brings me to... Kind of the point of this episode was that we received
0: an email. We did. Well, actually, we got one a while ago. We'd, yes. If you're the person who asked us to talk about wild horses. Shoot us a message. But this is for you as well. Yes. But we did get another email yes. recently. That's why just we, like the yeah. other day. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So we did get a, an email from someone named Shane. Shane says, I'm only on episode 44. That's okay, Shane. We'll forgive you for now. So if y'all all <laughs> have already done some stuff on this subject, please forgive me. What I thought may interest you would be racehorses. Thoroughbreds to be specific. Successful horses, especially on the big circuits, live like kings. However, most average horses on small circuits don't get much opportunity for a fulfilling life post-track if they aren't winning. Most of your small stables literally have no home base. They follow the circuits from track to track and lease stable space at or near the facility they're competing in for that season. So he goes on to say that a lot of these horses that are kind of going from stable to stable based on wherever they're competing, they don't have like a very good life after they're done competing mm-hmm. because they're just kind of like moved from place to place to place. When they're done competing, there's a short period of time where they're going to get a new home, like a home forever home. If you will, he says, usually they wind up at an auction and if they aren't taken to an auction because of time or resources, then they're sent to kill pens, which is the easiest way to get rid of them, which I kind of was alluding to when I was saying they are quote unquote retired. Yeah. Like they're just killed. And this reminds me so much of big cats, um, people who, who just can't deal with uh, a certain species that requires a lot of work, a lot of food, right. a lot of attention, a lot of interaction or like, uh, stimulus to get, you know, like chimpanzees, exercise, Yeah, like chimpanzees, exactly. <laughs> that like, this is very similar. They're just sent someplace to die. Um, mm-hmm. And then their bodies are used for whatever they're going to be used for. And actually, I didn't know this until Shane wrote it to us, but sometimes they're put into pet food
0: yeah and i'm like oh god and just kidding i'm not comparing horses to chimpanzees right yeah just no. so you know i feel
1: like it's similar to these these kind of like high cost species that we use up you know because either they're cute or they bring us money because well, we and show one thing them or he whatever said
0: um is that they're not well socialized right so they right. have a really hard time integrating because they're always moving from stable to stable yeah and they're kind of alone it's just like an aggressive dog or you know some yeah. sort of uh, any animal that's not socialized. And then they don't know how
1: even more he was saying a horse that's forced into retirement due to injury is usually euthanized pretty quickly. I get it. Like some injuries, you, there's nothing you can do, you can't rehab the horse. So that is the way that it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, a few of you have written in to tell us about, you know, when their legs break, it's just not possible. Uh, without causing further complications for you to fix that. But I think he's talking more about other injuries that you might be able to rehab them, but it's cost efficient to euthanize them rather than take care of them. I didn't really know this about thoroughbreds like racing horses, but they're super active and they really want to do something. They need a job. I thought that was kind of neat because... You think of them as like when a horse retires, like let's say it's a racing horse and it retires, you're like, oh, you can rest now, like go to this pasture and like run Like a greyhound. Yeah. But like, actually, they need a lot of exercise. <laughs> they need something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't just like hang out in a pasture and be cool with that. You can't throw it on a dog bed. Yeah. And, and they, they just... just like chill by the fire. No, yeah. they're not into it. I mean, they only sleep 2.9 hours every three days. So I guess what happens is these breeds that are bred for these like high pace, jobs or interactions they um get a bad reputation because they have those bad habits that we talked about
0: mm-hmm.
1: that where they're like doing things that people don't want them to do but it's just because they don't have the right people taking care of them right and they can be dangerous
0: yeah because they're big
1: yeah they can kick you <laughs> or bite you or it's true there were a lot i did consider putting in some stories of people um dying from interactions with horses but it was just like a lot of stories about being kicked in the head and i was like did you I think look at like um Overall, how many horse related deaths? I think it was like 600 over a certain number of years. It was, I feel like it was around the same number as cows, like kind of that livestock. And it's usually people who are interacting very closely with the animal. It's not like a wild horse is going to run up to you or like a feral horse will run up to you and just like kick you in the head. Run away. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> just, just like- horse murder. But Shane does go on to tell us about. His partner, who is a cultural anthropologist... And her passion has been horses ever since she was very small. He sent us information about this organization called Retired Race Horse Project. And this organization is one that his partner has been working with for a handful of years. The goal of what they're doing is to get horses, these race horses, Mm -hmm. the thoroughbreds, out of the track life, rehabilitate them into second careers. They need a job. They need something to do. And here's an organization that will teach them like, hey, these are super smart animals. So what this RRP, Retired Racehorse Horse Project, does, they link race stables to trainers and owners who are all over the U S mm-hmm. they'll hook them up with these situations where they get to be horses and go home at the end of the day. And they eat hay and grain and roll around in pastures and have horse friends. But they also still have a job that keeps them mentally and physically stimulated because if they don't, they they will go insane.
0: Makes sense. Like a German yeah, shepherd.
1: Exactly. Like a, like a work dog. He was saying um, it's amazing watching the transformation they go through just like dogs. They have individual personalities. They come from the track totally switched on after a couple months Of settling into the routine, they start to relax and you get to see the horse for the individual they are. Just like working dogs, when you give them a job, love and attention they need, they show you who they truly are. Not just a locomotive huffing and puffing ready to plow into and over everyone and everything in their path. They're actually quite hilarious creatures. That's kind of cute.
0: They are very endearing. People who have horses, they just love their horses. It's true. But that's
1: their life. Um, The RRP has an annual event they put on, the Thoroughbred Makeover. It's a huge event in Lexington, Kentucky, where horses that are rescued or purchased straight from the track are trained for a variety of disciplines. They do this to raise funds and awareness for these off-the-track Thoroughbreds and keep them out of kill pens. There are a handful of rescues out there that take in these kinds of horses, but because of the, quote, hot nature of these horses, which we learned mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. hot blood horses, uh, they are few and far between, and like no-kill pet shelters, don't have much room. Just made me almost start singing again. Hot horses? Hot-blooded. <laughs> I won't do it. Hot-blooded. Hot-blooded. <laughs> I just wanna say thank you to Shane for sharing this information with us and to his partner for like being uh, participating in this and, and you know, helping these animals have a better life after they're done racing.
0: It was really good timing because I know you've been thinking about doing the horse episode for a little while. So yeah. when we got that it was like, All right.
1: It was perfect. Um so yeah, that is actually our organization to support, the Retired Race Horse Project. And it is you can go to their website at www.retiredracehorseproject, all one word, .org. Uh, they have a little description that just says the RRP exists to facilitate placement of thoroughbred ex horses in second careers by increasing demand for them in equestrian sports and serving the farms, trainers, and organizations that transition them.
0: Nice. Which is great. Yeah.
1: It's like a dating service for horses, <laughs> but jobs, you know? It's LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn for racehorses.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not Bumble.
1: Not Bumble. That's the horse episode. I hope you all enjoyed. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I covered all the things that people wanted to talk about or know about. I think that horses are kind of amazing.
0: I used to go with a friend of mine when I was still living in LA before Peace Corps. Go visit these horses and just like hang around and chat with people. Yeah. And just like be like, oh, you're so pretty. <laughs> and um, there was a lady that went there that was a horse... I know there's like horse whisperer kind of thing. Right. Yeah. But she was like a, an animal, like she could speak to animals. And she was mostly into talking to horses. She actually talked to my animals. <laughs> my, what did they say? <laughs> what did they, they say, They were Jen? like, they she just talked about them. She's like this and he's like this. About one of my dogs, she was like, she, you always buy her a red collar, but she really wants a blue collar. Can she even see the red collar? I don't know. But I went and got her a blue (laughs) collar and she was super happy about it. I was like, well, whatever. Whatever it was, it was fun.
1: I feel like if anyone... It was very entertaining. If anyone ever came to talk to my cats, it would just be like, she needs to feed us more often.
0: We're not eating enough. We need piles everywhere. Jerks. Closer to the
1: bed. So, Jen, Mm -hmm. this is the uh, end of our episode. Uh, We're going to be talking about the emergency preparedness kit. What would you put in your emergency preparedness kit for this episode? I know we didn't have any, like tragic things or particular
0: stories. It was more tragic for the horses. More tragic for the horses. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. Our, our shows go that way. It's true. You're going to die out there for the animals because humans. Um.
1: So one thing I did read about, I didn't actually put this into this episode necessarily, but I read a lot about Some stuff that happens on racetracks in terms of like doping horses and like people, because this is a billion dollar industry. And they're athletes. And they're athletes Mm -hmm. that people will do things to these horses to make them win or even like disguise horses as other horses to fix races and stuff like that. It's just like some crazy stuff goes on. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's like another layer of. Just some sad stuff that might happen to horses to think about.
0: So, Megan. I gave it some thought. And I really like um, how you were mentioning that when they're in the stables or, you know, hanging out, that to keep them calm and from feeling stressed, a lot of times they would play music.
1: Oh, yeah. The the British and Australian studies. Yeah. But they wouldn't play
0: rock music or or jazz, jazzy jazz or talk radio. Oh, yes. Or talk radio. Yeah. Yeah. But you can play our podcast, but you can play our podcast for your horse, it's fine. I'm sure they'd love it. Um, so <laughs> I was thinking that you would need to have some some good music. Agreed, you remember when you used to stay up or well, anytime and you'd get that commercial, it would wake you up mm-hmm. when you fell asleep, watch TV with the ultimate love song collection. Remember those commercials <laughs> from Time Life? Is it from Time Life? I swear to god, um, it's the Time Life Music Ultimate, ultimate. Love Song collection <laughs> I agree you would be asleep on the couch and then all of a sudden imagine owning the world's greatest love songs <laughs> By the greatest voices of what our horse time. wouldn't love this Michael Bolton stop
1: so Your good once in a lifetime <laughs>
0: oh, oh. come on Please, Please do, do your horse a favor. <laughs>
1: Get the ultimate. What is it called again?
0: Oh, Rod Stewart. Come on. Stewart. <laughs> Phil Collins. Phil I can,
1: I can see the video. Jen is showing me the video. It's the people in silhouette kissing two in front of the. Good
0: 26 only twenty six ninety nine in nineteen eighty seven. What is that today? Like fifty bucks? Use your card
1: and
0: we'll take no! Oh my god! This song. That's right. you get two, CDs two, just two CDs for sixteen ninety nine. It's a deal. That's a deal. To keep your horse happy? Then review other romantic collections, happy oh. oh my god, Richard Marks. This song. So listen.
1: That song. Middle school dance. So If hot. you
0: care anything about your horse. Yeah. Splurge. So remember, use your card 26. Two beautiful
1: CDs. Lionel yes. Richie? Beautiful. Beautiful CDs two beautiful cds and jen if you use your credit card they take ten dollars off
0: so really it's just 16.99 i know you guys enjoyed that that was beautiful that really took don't even pretend like you guys didn't love listening to that and those youngins out there we endured if i were a horse that's what i'd want to listen to
1: plus horse manes you know like let's say there's like a fan in your stable and it's just like blowing your horse mane everywhere
0: (laughs) that's like michael bolton perfect (laughs) just blowing your horse <laughs> there's like a really bright light behind you yes so you can get the glow yes <laughs> can we get some height
1: okay i've watched on tiktok the that there there are people who braid their horses manes and all different kinds of crazy braids and uh-huh. they're like really beautiful and they like decorate them and stuff like they give them bows yeah anyone who's listening to this and you own a horse
0: can you feather your horse's hair we just need is that cruel and inhuman punishment or do they like it I mean, crimping—it's stylish. Emergency preparedness kit for your horse. Time Life Music's ultimate love song collection, two CDs, sixteen ninety nine with your credit card. Yep, plus shipping and handling. I think so. Probably always. And if you like those two, you can get more. That's true. I'm not guaranteeing this is still available from Time <laughs> Life. <laughs> Only the best for your horse. So Megan, thank you for that. I feel so enlightened. Like I know a lot more about horses, but I have to say that I'm very dedicated to my chickens and I don't think I could get a horse at this time. Um, mainly because I don't have a stable you know, or live anywhere where I could have a horse. But I devote all my time to chickens. Maybe you just need like a tiny horse. <laughs> it's like a mini horse. That would be cute. Not going to happen. I'm glad
1: you enjoyed that.
0: I enjoyed it so much. And I hope that everybody out there enjoyed your story as well. Yes. And um, we will be having our a uh, Patreon bonus episode
1: yeah, for March it just came out and then we're gonna be working
0: on our April one to be on time. Totally. Guess what? You're getting two in April. But one of them was for March, so it's a bargain. <laughs> it feels like it. Feels <laughs> like you're getting two. That's right. So enjoy that if you're a patron. If you're not, become one because it's awesome and you're supporting us. And that, my friends, is how we don't lay ads because of all of our support from our beautiful nature nerd patrons.
1: And if you would like to become a patron, check out our website, click on our Patreon link, or you can go to our link tree on Instagram and check out our Patreon that way.
0: Other ways you can support, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we'll send you a sticker. Possibly two if you send us pictures of your pets. Fill out the contact form on our website. Or you can just email us at you're going to die out there at gmail.com. And send me your mailing address. It's that easy.
1: You can also support us by checking out our sponsor links on our website sponsor page. All of our sponsors are eco-friendly, zero waste. You will get discounts using our discount codes and the links that we provide.
0: And you can also support us by Following us on instagram or twitter and listening on any platform like stitcher google Podcasts, and spotify oh and if you have ideas for stories or you saw some interesting news or some science news feel free to send us an email or send us a dm on instagram and until next time
1: don't die out there
0: bye, bye. guaranteed we'll just google something and be like (laughs) this is it
1: we'll just google science word
0: (laughs) science words go nature search done (laughs) what
1: i'm having a memory that when i took conservation biology and Uh i was like 19 years old which was you know a while ago this was one of the like more recent things that were in the conservation uh-huh. text it was like black-footed ferrets are dying because of this like cattle ranchers and mm-hmm. they don't Losing want their, their holes habitat. and yeah. yeah and now it's i'm having a moment of like has it been oh wow
0: it's been a while yeah. it's it just it, it just went by real fast but in my lifetime that's nice i know right it's funny that there's like saying these nations of fort belknap right yeah i don't know did i say fork <clears throat> Yeah, you said, I think you said fork. <laughs> it's cool. I can't see because <laughs> my glasses are really
1: dark. <laughs> I 100% was like, that sounds right. <laughs>
0: this is not fork. It's fork. I'm just really blind.
1: Yeah, I did go to the Anheuser-Busch factory when I was like 12.
0: You're like, can I get some free beer?
1: <laughs> no lie. I totally did ask. We were, we went, we did the tour. My aunt, yes. who lives in the They took you Louis. on a beer tour when they you were did. 12. At the end, You as a child, you can choose from like a Coca-Cola beverage. Right. But yeah, we got to see the Clydesdales and it was so magical.
0: We would always go at um, Rainier, you know, Rainier Beer. It was really in Seattle. (laughs) We used to go there all the time and do the tour because they never carded you. And so we weren't 21. And at the end, we would get free beer or you could buy beer and they never checked
1: your ID. Rainier Beer right now is like making a note. They definitely (laughs) listen to this podcast. They're like, nope. I think that's the beer from Twilight. I think that, I
0: don't even know if it's still, like, do they still make it? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure they do. Well.
1: Is it, is it like the Natty Light of Seattle? Kind of, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Bush. Uh, Bush So good. Yeah. The record hoarder. Hoarder.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The record hoarder. I love hoarders.
1: Yes. Okay. So a foal is a horse of, is a horse of, I knew it was (laughs) going to happen. a whore?
0: (laughs) A A foal is a goddamn whore. God damn it.
1: (laughs) Okay, let me let me just talk about the hooves for just a second. The horse hoof is <laughs> <Sorry>. the
0: <laughs> listen, just can you sh- shut the hell up? I just let me talk about the hooves. i am literally talking just about my own brain. Stop giving me back talk. It's too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the Chris Kriz... Kris Kriz. kriz, kriz, kriz <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> okay. And Mongolian people call
0: it taki. Uh, there you go. The subspecies. Tucky, 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 tucky. <laughs> so wait, what about like horses, like the numbers and how much horses were used before the first vehicle, like automotive? You know what I mean? Oh
1: yeah, I didn't I didn't really look up anything as, in terms of like when Like horse and buggy. When that transitioned over to yeah. auto auto mechanical yeah. Yes. Dri- uh, rides, drives, cars. automobiles. <laughs> automobiles. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look. I didn't look that up, but I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm sure I bet, a, a lot like, of those horses were. Yeah. Retired after that. that's a nice way to. Or say. people
0: might have still used them around. That probably changed the numbers of people who had horses. Everybody had 19 kids
1: and at least two horses. I- exactly. One of my favorite movies, and it's super problematic now, is The Quiet Man. You ever seen it? John John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. It's about this little Irish town. John Wayne goes back. Anyway, it's definitely not aged well. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Most (laughs) things haven't. Um, But there's this part that I really love where he says we should get a car. She's like, why would we want to get a car? They're smelly and gross. Like, we should just get a horse. And he's like, oh, but you you have to tend after a horse. And she's like, yeah, but it gives you it helps with the roses, you know, because like the manure helps to grow the roses. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a really sweet moment where I'm like, that's right. That's right. I love that part. Yes. And he's like, okay,
0: we'll get a horse. We should just go back. So let's just I mean, back. climate change. I mean, just slow the world down a little bit. Let's get rid of your car. Get a horse. You wouldn't have any speeding tickets. They, you just need to demand to have stable access at your work. Stable access <laughs> yeah. at your it's, work. It's like, you know, you go from
1: like daycares to like, we need a stable at work. I think it'll work. Let's do it. Okay. We're going we're gonna to start a whole thing. We're going to start a nonprofit. Bring horses back. <laughs> <laughs>